Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter 13, Claudia. I simply couldn't believe what Stacy had just said. Not the part about my secret admirer. I already knew I had one. What I couldn't believe was that Stacy had been standing right next to him. And all she could say about his looks was that she thought he had brown hair. There was nothing to do but leave the scooper duper right then and hope to see a brown haired boy nearby. For a moment, I looked longingly at the five mouthfuls of melted ice cream that were still left in my dish. Then I jumped up and ran into the hallway. At least I didn't have to waste time paying for my bill. My secret admirer had taken care of that for me. I felt like someone in a spy novel. I burst through the doorway of the ice cream parlor, skidded to a stop in the hallway, then looked left and right. To the left was a dead end. I took off in the other direction, and almost smacked into a boy who stepped out from behind a pillar. He had blonde hair. Whoa, he said, and I tried to catch my breath. What's going on? Did you see a brown-haired boy come out of here a couple of minutes ago? I gasped. Was he running like you? I don't know. He might have been. Did someone run by? Yeah, at full speed. He came out of the ice cream parlor. Oh, please, what did he look like, I asked. Hmm. Red hair, I think. Great sneakers. I really wasn't paying attention. Great sneakers? What was wrong with everyone? Why couldn't they all be a little more observant? I didn't have a thing to go by. Not even hair color. All I knew about my secret admirer was that he had nice shoes, neither brown or red hair. Some clues. There was no point in looking any further. Don't look any further. What's going on? Asked the boy. Huh? Oh, well, see, this guy's been sending me notes signed Your Secret Admirer. And he bought me presents and stuff, but I don't even know who he is. Well, if you did, he wouldn't be a secret admirer, the boy pointed out. He'd just be an admirer. I smiled. That's true. So who do you think you were chasing just now? I mean, what made you think that guy was your secret admirer? The boy and I were walking slowly through the hallway, headed for one of the open decks. I explained to him what happened in the ice cream parlor. You look pretty disappointed, said the boy. I had just realized something else. My admirer was not Spider. If he was, Stacy would have recognized him for sure. She wouldn't have missed something like that. Darn. My admirer had vanished again, and he wasn't Spider. A double blow. No wonder I looked disappointed. But all I said to the boy was, I just wanted to see him. That's all. Your admirer? Yeah. Isn't it more fun if you don't know who he is? Maybe. But in a few days, this trip will be over, and we'll be going home. I might not ever get to know him. We had reached the deck, and were standing at the railing, looking out to sea. That day was the first one we'd had since the storm that wasn't perfectly clear. It wasn't overcast, but big, puffy clouds were looming on the horizon. Maybe he's shy. What? My thoughts were drifting around like seaweed. Maybe your secret admirer is shy, said the boy. Maybe he's afraid you won't like him, so he's being really nice to you before he introduces himself. I brightened. You know, I'll bet you're right. How come I didn't think of that? You're a complete stranger and you have it all figured out. I'm a boy, said the boy. I nodded. That made sense. My name is Claudia, I told him. I'm Timothy. We paused. 
So, I said, why are we suddenly having trouble making conversation? It just seemed easier when we didn't know each other's names. So, said Timothy. I cleared my throat. Where are you from? Maybe he'd be from somewhere exotic like Tahiti or Los Angeles. At least that would give us something to talk about. I'm from Connecticut, he replied. How about you? Hey, I'm from Connecticut too. From Stony Brook. No kidding. I'm from Darien. That's not too far from Stony Brook. My geography is terrible, so I wasn't sure, but I figured Timothy knew what he was talking about. Are you on this trip with your family? I asked. Yep, Timothy nodded. Oh, I came with friends. I tried to explain about Christy and her mom and Watson and the girls in the babysitter's club, but I think I only confused them. Hey, I just thought of something, said Timothy. When we're in high school, our football teams will play against each other. It's like we're destined to meet again. Destined to meet again, I repeated to myself. What beautiful words. Are you by any chance a, um, I mean, do you write poetry or something? I had to ask the question, even if it was weird. See, the first guy I ever liked was named Trevor Sanborn, and he was a poet. It seemed like I was always falling for poets. Write poetry? Repeated Timothy. Yeah, I was just wondering, because of what you said. Destined to meet again. That was beautiful. Oh, thanks. Well, I like to write, but I'm no poet. I nodded. I found myself studying Timothy's face. It was framed by curly hair. His eyes were dark, wide set, and fringed with long lashes that I would have given my eye teeth for. The, what are eye teeth? What What is that? I've heard that saying before. Where did it come from? You know what? Why am I asking y'all when I have Google? Huh. Okay. So, the eye tooth, also known as the canine tooth, is one of the longest and most stable teeth in your mouth, according to the textbook Anatomy of Orofacial Structures. So, you'd give one of your most stable teeth in your mouth. Okay, got it. I mean, I wouldn't. I need him to eat. But you go ahead. You know, give your eye teeth. You know, for his eyelashes. <laughs> and he was the perfect height for me. Wait a minute. What was I doing? I had a secret admirer. I didn't need Timothy, too. On the other hand, the admirer wasn't showing his face, and Timothy was awfully nice. Plus, he wasn't in hiding. You know, I said, I'm really glad I ran into you. I was looking for my secret admirer, and I found you instead. Maybe this was meant to happen. Kismet, agreed Timothy. I must have appeared pretty blank, because he added, fate. Destiny? I guess. I remember this book. I mean, I remember this book. But I remember reading that word kismet and learning what it was from this book. And then knowing I had to use it with somebody. So I tried it on my first girlfriend. And then we broke up because I farted at lunch. I looked out over the ocean again. And this time, I saw something I hadn't seen in several days. Land. Not just an island, but actual, honest-to-goodness land. Florida. Look, I cried, Port Canaveral. I feel like I'm home again, even though I've only been here once before, and I'll probably never be back. I know what you mean, said Timothy. Tomorrow, we'll be at Disney World, I went on, growing excited. The beginning of three whole days of rides and junk food. Do you think, um, that maybe we could, we could spend some time together there? Asked Timothy, sounding awfully unsure of himself. 
Definitely, I answered. That'll be fun. Hey, listen, I better go. I don't know about you, but I'm not even packed. There's stuff all over our cabin. I gotta get ready to leave. I better go too, said Timothy. He looked as if it were the last thing in the world he wanted to do. Walk me to my cabin, okay? Is it on your way? We're staying in the dolphin deck. It's not on my way, but I'll walk you anyway, said Timothy. So he did. He left me at the door of my cabin, and I entered to find the usual mess. Only this time, the mess was all mine. Both Christy and Don were already packed. They were lying on their bunks, each reading a book. The silence in the cabin was stony. I have just one thing to say, I said menacingly to my friends. They looked up in surprise. What I have to say is that this is our last hour in this tiny cabin. When we get to our hotel, our room will be much bigger. There'll be plenty of space for all of our stuff, so I expect the two of you to quit arguing and get along. Understand? The girls nodded, bewildered. I couldn't blame them. I didn't sound like myself at all, but I had taken just about as much of them as I could. So, um, when we docked, what I, what I know about cruises is that you usually don't dock midday. You're usually not awake when you dock unless you're standing out on the, you know, deck of the ship at like five o'clock in the morning. And they usually tell you the day before, tonight is our last night on the cruise. Come up for a fun time, blah, blah, blah. And then you go tell the kids or I go tell the kids, yo, go pack your stuff. Go pack up your stuff, have it ready, set out what you're wearing tomorrow, your toothbrush, your, toothpa- your toothbrush, your toothpaste, all that, set that out, everything else, pack it up, put it in my room so then there's no issues tomorrow and there's nothing lost. They're giving these kids way too much freedom. I mean, I give my kids a lot of freedom, but not when it comes to packing. Like, y'all better have that done before you go anywhere else. Be responsible. Chapter 14, Christy. Well, Claudia was right. Our hotel room sure was bigger than our cabin on the ship. It seemed like a palace in comparison. There were two closets, two giant dressers, and storage space under both sinks. Both sinks. That was another thing. There were two showers. Sort of. There was an actual bathroom with a shower and a toilet and a sink and everything. And then, just outside of it, there was a dressing room with another sink and a mirror and a cabinet. Very swank. Swanks also... You know what? Nah, never mind. However, there was one problem. Three of us, two beds. I took one look and said, Who gets the bed to herself? The beds were enormous. King size, I guess. At that point, Claudia put her foot down for the second time that day. We're going to be here for three nights, she said firmly. So we'll switch off. Each of us will have a bed to herself one night. And I don't want any more contamination wards or clothes battles. There are plenty of drawers and coat hangers. We have enough space to put all of our stuff away, even mine. So let's do it. And then you two, she went on, glaring at Dawn and me, are going to call a truce. Dawn and I didn't dare to argue with Claudia. We started to unpack our things. Since we weren't talking, I switched on the TV. Hey, I said immediately, we get cable here. Really? exclaimed Dawn, who doesn't have cable TV at her house in Connecticut. Hey, maybe we'll get... You know, some movies we're not allowed to watch. R-rated, I suggested, my eyes growing wide. Yeah, maybe. We do have cable at home, but Watson won't let us get any of the movie channels. It's one of the things he's strict about. I started flipping channels while Don opened a program guide she found on top of the TV. 
Darn, she said after a minute of flipping through it. Nothing R-rated. Nothing worse than an old murder mystery. That's on Channel 8 if you want to watch it. I flipped to 8 and we went back to our unpacking. When we were finished, we realized that Claudia was right once again. Well, you only have six to seven days worth of clothes. Seven days. A week's worth of clothes. Shouldn't be that hard. Three people in a room shouldn't be that hard. Actually, my kids and I, I ain't even going front. We didn't even take our clothes out. Well, Nisha took her clothes out and she hung them up in the in the closets and whatnot. I just left my stuff in the bag because my stuff was folded up perfectly. I took it out. I wore it. I folded it up. I put it into another segment of the bag so I knew what was dirty and what was clean. But I'm an adult. I'm responsible. Kid Awesome and Kyle's room looked like a tornado hit it. But then again, they also always had a room full of people because once the other kids, teenagers on the boat, realized that they had a room to themselves, they immediately became the most popular kids on the entire boat. Nothing weird went on in there, nothing bad or anything. They just hung out in there when they weren't allowed to hang out on the deck or anything. they go back there, they'd order some pizza from the um, Lido deck, and they'd take their pizza back down to the room and they just chill. It was nice. Of course, Claudia had used up more drawers and hangers than Dawn and I together. But what did we care? The room was as neat as a pin. I couldn't resist. I opened a bag of Fritos that was in my knapsack, dumped them out on one of the bedside tables, and dropped the empty package on the floor. Why? Why? God, white people. Rich white people. Selfish, rich Oh my gosh. Okay, I'll stop. Dawn made a face at me, and then snatched up the bag and flung it in a wastebasket. A hand closed over my Fritos. I looked up. Claudia was now making a face at me. Kristen Amanda, she said. You are, you are, what's the word? Goading her? Goading her, I said sullenly. Right. You're goading Dawn, and there's no reason for it. Come on, we got this nice, tidy, big room, and we got three days of Disney World ahead of us. It'll be helpful that the two of you can get along. You'd have a much better time. So would you call a truce, please? I looked at Dawn. She looked at me. Truce, I asked. Truce, she replied. Now shake on it, Claudia instructed. Dawn and I glanced at Claudia, then at one another. Finally, we shook hands. I know my hand was salty and greasy from the Fritos, but Don didn't say a word about it. After we had shaken, I started flipping TV dials again. The murder mystery was really boring. Christy, Don ventured, have you ever seen an R-rated movie? Nah, I replied, but one day I'm going to. Have you ever seen one? Nah. Me neither, said Claudia, heading into the bathroom. My brother saw one once by accident, said Don. He said it was no big deal. Really? Yeah. What a disappointment. Dawn and I began to laugh. I bet we'll finally see one, said Dawn, and after it's over, we'll all go, so what? Hey, you guys, called Claudia from the bathroom. Come here. There's more great free stuff. Dawn jumped up, but I put my arm out to stop her. I just want you to know, I said, that I'm sorry about the way that I acted. Sometimes I was being messier than usual, on purpose. I'm sorry too, replied Don. Sometimes I was being neater than usual, on purpose. I gave Don a quick hug to show her that I really meant I was sorry, and then we joined Claudia in the bathroom. Look at this, Claudia cried. A shower cap, a shoehorn, a shoe buff, and this whole basket full of stuff. 
soap shaped like shells, shampoo, cream rinse, mouthwash, hand lotion, and a sewing kit. We explored the bedroom thoroughly then and found a local newspaper, some postcards and stationery, two ballpoint pens, and... Whoa, look at this, cried Don. How come we didn't notice it before? Look what the TV is standing on. The TV was standing on a refrigerator, but we couldn't open it. It seemed to be locked. Next to it was a cabinet full of junk food, shrieked Claudia. Ah! Candy bars and M&M's and potato chips and pretzels. How do we get into this thing? We couldn't figure it out, so we called Watson in from the next room. Watson took one look around, found a key which he said opened the refrigerator in the cabinet, and put it in his pocket. Sorry, girls, he said. I know the stuff in there looks tempting. We hadn't even seen what was in the fridge. But it cost an arm and a leg. I'm not kidding. It's probably $2 for a 50-cent bag of chips. That sort of thing. More than you pay in any store. You'll do much better getting sodas from the machine down the hall and snacks from the shop in the lobby. Did nothing happen from Karen getting her nails done? Like the $60 nail job that, well, I was just guessing it was 60 but still, nothing at all? Okay. Okay, we said, feeling let down. The idea of a stock junk food cabinet had been very appealing. Watson, can we explore the hotel? I asked. It was 5 o'clock in the afternoon. We wouldn't be going to Disney World until the next day. Sure, replied Watson. I don't see why not. Just be back in time to get dressed for dinner. We're going to eat at 7, and we're going to be at a pretty fancy dining room here. So you have to change your clothes first. We were all wearing jeans. No problem, I said. Come on, you guys. Watson cleared his throat. How'd you feel about taking Karen and Andrew with you? They're dying to go exploring, too. Well, Karen is. Andrew just wants to do whatever she's doing. I grinned. No problem. Also... Watson and Elizabeth need some time alone. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. And if you don't know what I'm saying, that's just fine. The five of us set off. We went to the lobby first. And what was the first thing we saw? Mr. Staples at the checkout desk. The checkout desk, I exclaimed. Just a sec, you guys. I have to see what's going on. Also, did she actually drag him back to dinner with them? I ran across the lobby. Mr. Staples, Mr. Staples, what are you doing? I reached him just as he was handing in his room key. Mr. Staples looked at me in surprise. What am I doing? He repeated. I'm checking out, that's why. Going home. But why? I pressed. Whole trip was a darn fool idea, he said. Shouldn't have come. But we had fun playing Donkey Kong and Shuffleboard, didn't we? And not to tell you something very important about that fight I was having with Don. Mr. Staples and I had discussed it several more times on the cruise, and he had been really helpful, considering that he was a slob like me. Wasn't helpful enough, because as soon as you got off the boat and y'all in the hotel room, you immediately just, you, you pick up everything, and you see that the room has enough room for everybody, and it could be all good, but then you still go ahead and drop the bag on the floor just to be mean. So he didn't help you out a lot. You just talked about it. You probably thought he was helping you, but really he was just wondering when you was going to shut up because you're a little kid and he's hanging around with you and it looks weird. We had talked about his wife a lot too. And I thought he seemed a little more cheerful. And, I went on, my parents really like eating dinner with you. Really? 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 Besides, I haven't given you Nanny's phone number yet. Yeah, random dude. Hello? Hey, my name's Rudy. Your granddaughter gave me your telephone number while I was on a cruise that you weren't on. Uh, I can't even see you, but I can definitely fall in love with your voice or your phone.
Plus, said Karen, who had joined us, remember at dinner? You said you pull a quarter out of my ear. Well, you didn't get to do it yet. Of course, Karen's only thinking about herself. I thought we were going to get to spend some time together at Disney World, I added, truly disappointed. And you wanted to give Mickey Mouse ears for your grandchildren and have their names put on them. Okay, 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 Mr. Staples threw up his hands, but he was smiling. I know when I'm licked. I didn't leave his side until he had the room key in his pocket again. Then Don and Claudia and Karen and Andrew and I did go exploring. We returned to our room and finished getting dressed just five minutes before dinner. Andrew put on a suit. Karen put on a party dress. They looked so snazzy that I took their picture. After dinner, we managed to hold a quick babysitter's club meeting, but everyone was tired, and no one had any ideas about presents for Mom and Watson and the Pikes. Not any decent ideas, that is. We're running out of time, I told my friends. We know, we know, but the added pressure only made us more nervous, not more creative. When I went to bed that night, I was exhausted. Chapter 15 Karen Disney World, Disney World, Disney World. By the way, before I go into this chapter, I have always had a deep-seated suspicion that this book was sponsored by Disney. And we gonna see. Because if it's anything like I remember it, this is gonna be the most won't y'all come out here little kids thing that you're ever gonna see in your entire life. And that's why they have a six-year-old talking about Disney World. Okay, that's all. This is my dream. I've always, always wanted to come here. Ever since I first saw a TV commercial about it. I went with Daddy, Elizabeth, and Andrew the next day. I wanted Chrissy to come with us, but she decided to walk around with Claudia. And David Michael went off with his big brothers. It took a long time to get from our hotel to Disney World. First, we took a bus to a gigantic parking lot. Then we rode on a monorail to Disney World. The monorail was fun. It was way up high. I felt like we were on a flying train. When we got off the monorail, Disney World! We gave a lady our tickets and pushed through a turnstile and suddenly we were on Main Street. Ooh, I said. Look, we're in a little town, right here in Disney World. An old-fashioned fire truck came down the street. So did a horse-drawn buggy. We were standing at the town square. I could see a popcorn machine and... Look! shrieked Andrew. It's Minnie Mouse! I see Minnie Mouse! She's right over there and she's signing autographs. In hindsight, as an adult, you probably don't think the same way I do, which is they are cartoon characters. It is really stupid to get their autograph, but kids go crazy for it. Oh, Daddy, 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 please can we go see Minnie? I begged. I swear she's my best friend in the whole wide world. Daddy raised his eyebrows. She is? She really wasn't, and we both knew it. Hanny would be furious. That's just me. But I just had to get Minnie's autograph and maybe have my picture taken with her. I grabbed Daddy by the hand and Andrew grabbed Elizabeth by the hand. We pulled them across the square to Minnie. Some other kids were standing with her and Minnie was leaning over and patting their heads. The kids were giggling. Their parents snapped pictures. Then Minnie waved goodbye to them. And what did she do next? She waved to my brother and me. Andrew and I looked at each other. Go on over, whispered Daddy. Give me a little push forward. I took Andrew's hand and led him to Minnie Mouse. I felt excited and scared. It was just like visiting Santa Claus at the department store. When we reached Minnie's side, she shook her hands. Hi, Minnie. Hi, Minnie, I said. Hi, Minnie, whispered Andrew. 
Minnie waved again. I guess she doesn't talk. I opened up my pink purse and took out a pad of paper and a pen. I handed them to Minnie. Could you please give us your autograph? I asked. And could you write one for each of us? Minnie wrote this on two sheets of paper. Love, Minnie Mouse. Then she gave the pad back to me. I looked at the papers in awe. Andrew and I have Minnie Mouse's autograph. We will be famous in Stony Brook. I sure hoped we'll have show and tell when school started again because boy would I have something to show. I gave Andrew his autograph and Minnie put her arms around us. Smile, called Daddy. Andrew and I smiled while Minnie hugged us tightly. Then she patted us on the head and sent us back to Daddy and Elizabeth. Goodbye, we called. Say thank you, whispered Daddy. Thanks, we cried. We walked along Main Street. Look, look at everything, I exclaimed. I began reading the names on the stores. House of Magic, Penny Arcade, The Shadow Box, Main Street Cinema, The Con... Con... Confectionery, Elizabeth told me. What's that? I asked. Elizabeth and Daddy glanced at each other. It's a candy store, said my stepmother. Andrew, Andrew, a candy store, I shrieked. Daddy, can we go in? Wait, said Andrew. There's a man selling Mickey Mouse balloons. Can we have one? Can we get ice cream? I asked. Can we go to the movie theater? Asked Andrew. Can we buy magic tricks? I asked as we passed by the house of magic. Whoa, whoa, exclaimed Daddy. Hold on, kids. We'll try to do everything, I promise. But we can only do one thing at a time. Since we're here, let's go to the magic store. Goody, I said. Come on, Andrew. The magic store was dark, but it was filled with great stuff. There were jokes like rubber spiders and magic tricks like handkerchiefs to turn into eggs. And there were masks and disguises, too. You may choose one thing each. I chose a handkerchief egg. Andrew chose a spider. It was attached to a rubber ball. When you squeezed the ball, the spider jumped. Andrew took it out the package and made it jump for Elizabeth. She screamed. We all laughed. Then we started walking down Main Street again. Daddy bought us balloons and ice cream cones. I could hardly eat my cone, though. I was too excited. That was because when we reached the end of Main Street, the Cinderella Castle stood before us. It was huge, and it looked just like a castle in a fairy tale. So, real quick, let me tell you about my daughter in Disneyland and becoming a true princess. So my brother had put this stupid idea in her head when she was like three years old that having a princess dress wasn't the real thing. You had to go to a castle in order to be a true princess. We were in Germany. There was a castle up a hill. She saw from the freeway and screamed until we pulled over and made us walk up that hill because my brother told her there was a princess inside that castle and she would help her become a true princess. There was no princess inside the castle because it was now a museum. There was no true princess making Bella was sad for the rest of the trip back to the house and then I looked at my brother with a stink eye for the rest of the week well after that we went to Disneyland we didn't go to Disney World at that time we went to Disneyland when she was like four and it was her my son Triple Kenny uh Kid Awesome uh and my cousins and my brother and she got told by my brother there are real princesses here and then he pointed to Cinderella Castle. And she freaked out again. And we had to buy her a true princess dress. And a true princess dress from Disneyland is not the same as a true princess dress you buy at Target for like 20 bucks. Because the princess dresses at Disneyland cost like $90. And then they pay you 
Then you can pay them more to get makeup put on and face painting. And so we got the face painting and the makeup and Kenny got painted up like a, 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 a pirate or he got a snake around his head. Yeah, he got a snake around his face because, you know, Kenny didn't care. And my cousin got painted up like a pirate and Bella stood in the like hour to an hour and a half long line to meet Cinderella to become a true princess. I wanted her to meet Tiana, but I don't think that movie was out yet. Anyhow, end of story. By the way, Bella couldn't have been four because Devin was there, which means that Bella was probably like seven and Kenny was eight. But when she was four, that's when we went to Germany or three, one or the two. I'm old. It, it, it blurs. Anyhow. Ooh, I breathed. It's beautiful. Does Cinderella really live there? Andrew wondered. I was about to say, of course not, silly. But then I realized I wasn't sure myself. Andrew and I looked at Daddy. Well, Daddy said slowly, I'm afraid not. But it's still a pretty nice castle, isn't it? Look at the turret, said Elizabeth. The flag, said Daddy. The crenellation, added Elizabeth. I was too excited to bother to ask about crenellation. Besides, it was time to make a decision. From where we were standing, we could walk right to Tomorrowland, Liberty Square, or Adventureland. Daddy, I said, where's the Haunted Mansion? Can we go to the Haunted Mansion? Chrissy had been telling me about all the rides at Disney World, and the one I wanted to go on the most was the Haunted Mansion. Space Mountain sounded like a good roller coaster. Peter Pan's flight sounded fun. Snow White's adventure sounded maybe just a little scary, but the Haunted Mansion sounded like the ride for me. I happen to know a lot about spooky stuff, of course you do, Karen. At Daddy's house in Stony Brook, there's a ghost on the third floor. Old Ben Brewer. And next door lives a witch named Morbida Destiny. Morbid Destiny, you know. Daddy took a map out of his pocket. You're in luck, Karen, he said. The Haunted Mansion is nearby. It's in Liberty Square, over this way. We began walking. Just when I thought I could see the house on a hill not far away, I heard a horrible moaning scream. Ooh. What was that? I shrieked. I heard the scream again. Elizabeth laughed. I think it's coming from the Haunted Mansion, honey. We're in for a scary ride. I hope so, I said, but I said it in a very small voice. And I reached out and held tightly to Elizabeth's hand. Andrew was so scared that Daddy had to carry him. We walked up a path to a spooky old mansion. We began to pass tombstones. A line of people had formed at the front door to the house. So while we waited in line, I looked at the little graveyard. Dear departed brother Dave, I read to Elizabeth from one of the tombstones. He chased a bear into a cave, she finished. I giggled. Here lies good old Fred. A great big rock fell on his head. R.I.P. I knew what R.I.P. meant. Rest in peace. The line began to move, and we walked slowly into a dim room. A whole crowd of people took a ride down in a weird elevator. When we got off, we climbed into little black cars. The cars were heading into darkness. I got into a car with Elizabeth. Andrew and Daddy climbed into the car behind us. The ride began. It wasn't a wild ride that jerked you around corners or turned you upside down. Instead, the car took us on a tour through the most haunted house I could imagine. We saw ghosts dancing in a cobwebby ballroom. We saw a face appear in a crystal ball. 
We saw wallpaper with bats' eyes all over it, and a scary, scary graveyard, much scarier than the one outside. All the time we were riding, a deep voice was telling us about the spooks in the mansion. Just when I thought the ride was over, the voice said something about hitchhiking ghosts. Hitchhiking ghosts, I whispered to Elizabeth. She shrugged. And at that moment, we passed a wall of mirrors. I looked for our car. There we are, I said. Look, Elizabeth, there, hey, ah! I couldn't help screaming. When I looked in the mirror, I could see that Elizabeth and I were not alone. Sitting between us, right in our car, was a ghost. We've got a ghost. A ghost is next to us, I shrieked. We reached the end of the mirrors. The ride was over, but the ghost was still in our car. I was terrified. It was just a trick, sweetie, Elizabeth said. That ghost was a hologram. It wasn't really there. I don't care what it's called, I said as we left the haunted mansion. It was real. I saw it, and I know it's still with us. I can feel my ghost. He's making my skin creep, I shivered. Of course, Karen. You know, even though somebody else told you it's not real. You're like, I know, even though you don't know, because you're a Karen. Let's go to Fantasyland, said Daddy. That won't be so scary. So we headed to Fantasyland. The first thing that happened there was that Andrew's shoelace came untied. He stooped down to fix it. When he straightened up, Snow White was standing next to him. She was just walking around Disney World like Minnie Mouse had been. But I guess Andrew wasn't expecting to see her. Ah, he cried, bursting into tears. Snow White felt terrible. You could tell. It was a long time before Andrew calmed down. Then we went on lots of rides in Fantasyland. But you know what? My ghost wouldn't leave me alone. He came along with me on every one. Nobody could see him except me. I could feel my skin creeping all afternoon. Chapter 16 Dawn Guess what? Last night I ran into Parker in the hotel after dinner. Well, isn't that convenient? And he asked if I wanted to spend our first day at the Magic Kingdom together. Why did he even bother asking? Of course I did. I got permission from Christy's mom and Parker and I met in the lobby at 10 o'clock the next morning. I felt so grown up I absolutely could not describe it. Claudia had helped me get dressed. She was in a great mood because her secret admirer had left her a stuffed animal at the door to our room during the night. How do you know her room? How this happened? We just giving up room numbers now? Hey, do you know where this girl who's Asian, what room she's in? I mean, he might have gotten her name because I'm sure it's really, you know, the guy that she was walking around with, but still. Since she had brought along nearly every article of clothing that she owns, and I'd only brought along about 31 seconds of my wardrobe, I brought a few of her things. In fact, I brought the entire outfit. We're just about the same size. Parker would never know. I mean, he'd never know the outfit was borrowed. Not that Claudia and I are the same size. This is the outfit Claudia helped me to choose. A white tank top under lavender overalls, lavender push-down socks, lavender high-top sneakers, and a beaded Indian belt, which we looped droopily twice around my middle. In my hair, we put lavender and white clips that look like birds. I thought they were just any kind of bird, but Claudia swore up and down they were birds of paradise. Who knows? I think she was just making that up. Anyways, if I do say so myself, and I do, I look pretty nice when I met Parker. Parker wasn't looking bad either. He was wearing this blue and white polo shirt, white tennis shorts, and loafers with no socks. I hope your shoes are comfortable, I said to him. We're going to be walking around all day. They won't wear blisters on your heels or anything, will they? 
Nope, he replied. Not these old things. They're ready to fall apart any second. Well, as long as they can hold together one more day. No problem. You got your ticket? I held it up. Yep, I replied. Everybody on the trip had a three-day pass at Disney World and Epcot Center. Great, said Parker. Let's go. There was free bus service from our hotel to the Magic Kingdom. So we waited in front of the hotel for a bus. The bus took us to the parking lot at Disney World, which was the biggest lot I had ever seen, except for the one at Disneyland in California. I'd already been to Disneyland 10 or 12 times because I used to live not far from it. I had a feeling Disney World wasn't going to be all that different, but going to it with the boy would be. The parking lot is so far away from the entrance to the Magic Kingdom that after you get off the bus, you have to get on a monorail that takes you to the gates. Let me tell y'all something about Disney World. Disney World and Epcot and all of the stuff surrounding it, literally its own city. Literally. Like, it's wild how much space the Disney World area takes up in Orlando. It is insane. And also, it is insane when I found out that, and let me check to make sure I got this right. Yep, there are 70,000 employees at the Disney World Resort overall, making it the single largest employer in the United States. That's wild. And when you think about the fact that Orlando has 307,573 people living in it as of the last census in 2020, that means that one in four people work at Disney World who live in Orlando. That's bonkers. Like, that's an entire place that is literally living off Disney World. And Disney World has so much power in that town that they don't even sell Pepsi. Because Disney World sells Coke. That's real. You can't get a Pepsi in any of the surrounding stores by Disney World. Only Coke. Unless you go to Walmart, who don't care one way or the other. It seemed like forever before we were walking down Main Street in the Magic Kingdom. But we had left the hotel less than an hour earlier. Wow, said Parker, looking around in awe. This is a whole town right in the park, and it's really only a little piece of Disney World. Yeah, I agreed. Main Street and Disney World look pretty much like Main Street and Disneyland. You don't seem too excited, said Parker vaguely. I tried to be more enthusiastic. Well, I said, what should we do first? There's a magic store, and there's a movie house. Uh, let's get to the ride, said Parker quickly. Main Street looks like fun, but we can go to stores or the movie anytime. Come on. Let's find Space Mountain. It's supposed to be really cool. Okay, I said, but since I had been on Space Mountain at Disneyland nine times, I couldn't work up to Parker's level of excitement. We walked away from Main Street, turned right by Cinderella Castle, and entered Tomorrowland. It was a sea of smooth, white, futuristic-looking buildings, and ahead of us loomed Space Mountain. Since it was still pretty early in the day, the line for the ride wasn't too long, but we did have to wait about 20 minutes. At last, though, Parker and I were climbing into the cars. Were they called space jets or something? I wasn't sure. Parker sat in front and I sat in back. An attendant strapped us in. The car moved forward in the darkness. We could hear people above us, those who were already on the ride, screaming and shrieking. Hold on to your hat, yelled Parker, and we were immediately jerked around a corner. 
For the next three minutes, we got the ride of our lives. I swear, Space Mountain at Disney World is nothing like Space Mountain at Disneyland. I felt much more like I was on a roller coaster hurtling through outer space. A lot of the ride took place in pitch blackness. I couldn't even see if the track ahead went up or down. A few times, we were traveling so fast, I thought my face was going to be permanently mashed in. Then we went down one hill that was so steep, I was positive my stomach had fallen right out of my body. I almost threw up. We whizzed through a bright red tunnel. Parker couldn't turn around and look at me, but he waved over his shoulder. Parker was waving, and I was having a hard time just keeping my breakfast down. We zoomed around some more, and several times I was sure our car was going to fly off the track and crash somewhere. But of course it didn't. Still, by the time the ride was over, my knees were shaking, and Parker had to help me out of the space jet. You okay? he asked, looking worried. I tried to come up with an answer that wasn't too disgusting. As we left the ride, traveling along a moving walkway, I decided not to say, No, I'm about to puke all over you, or... I'm fine, but how'd you like to see what I have for breakfast this morning? Instead, I replied, well, um, can we get me a wheelchair? Parker laughed, but he was concerned. When we left Space Mountain, we found a spot to sit down and Parker bought us each a soda. He made me wait until mine was sort of flat before I began sipping it. That's an old wives tale. Actually, and this is wild, but according to the New York Times, soft drinks the authors found, whether flat or not, not only contain very low amounts of potassium, sodium, and other electrolytes, but also in some cases as much as seven times the glucose recommended by the World Health Organization for rehydration. Carbonated drinks, flat or otherwise, including cola, provide inadequate fluid and electrolyte replacement and cannot be recommended, they said. So... Flat soda, a popular remedy for upset stomachs, may do more harm than good. Take that! By the time I was finished, I felt lots better, but not good enough to try another ride. We settled on strolling from store to store. Even though Parker had been right, we could shop anywhere. But not for the perfect Disney World souvenir, I pointed out. That's true. Is that what we're doing? Don't you think we should? Who knows when we'll be back here again? So we started looking. The only problem was that I had just $8.60 left, and I didn't want some little pennant or sticker. I wanted something nice. I finally found the perfect thing in the gift shop in Cinderella Castle. It was a glass unicorn charm, and it only cost $6. After I paid for it, Parker helped me fasten it onto this gold bracelet I was wearing. The bracelet used to belong to my great aunt. It's an antique, and when mom gave it to me, she said that whatever I did, I was to keep it in the family. I'm not sure how much money it's worth, but it has a lot of sentimental value. The charm looked great on it. Anyway, then Parker bought a t-shirt for himself. I guess boys don't care so much about souvenirs. By that time, I was feeling fine again. In fact, I was hungry. As we walked through Frontierland looking for a place to eat, Parker suddenly stopped in his tracks and said, "Uh Uh-oh. What, oh? It's my family, Parker told me. My dad, the stepmother, and the brats. I looked where Parker was pointing and saw a very nice-looking man and woman and two cute little boys. Parker, called the man. Parker groaned and led me over to his father. There were introductions all around. And then Mr. Harris said the last thing I expected to hear. Patsy and I are exhausted. We'd love a little break. Would you mind watching the boys for an hour or so, Parker? What could Parker say? We agreed to take the boys and meet Mr. and Mrs. Harris in an hour and a half at Cinderella Castle. 
The Harrises left. Parker and I looked at the boys, Roddy, who was eight, and Ricky, who was five. They didn't seem like brats to me. Since Parker was acting like children were aliens from another planet, I said to the boys, So what do you guys want to do? Could we go on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad? asked Roddy. Please? Sure, replied Parker. But it looks scary, said Ricky nervously. Parker relaxed a little. It won't be too bad. Will you sit with me? asked Ricky. He held his hand out to Parker. I gave Parker a look that said, These are the brats you've been complaining about? Parker shrugged. We got on line for the railroad, which I knew was another roller coaster, but not nearly as wild as Space Mountain. Since I hadn't eaten lunch yet, my stomach could handle it. Ricky and Roddy screamed from the beginning of the ride until the end. They clutched our hands. They loved every second of it. Can we go again? asked Roddy before we had even gotten out of the mining car we were riding in. We could, Parker told him, but don't you want to do something new? Have you been to Tom Sawyer Island yet? Parker looked like he was actually having fun with his stepbrothers. No, said Ricky. Well, let's go, said Parker. So we went. We took a raft over to the island, which turned out to be more like a park, and Ricky and Roddy had a blast. There were hills to climb and a cave to explore and a wobbly bridge made of barrels to walk across. But they had the most fun firing off these air guns of Fort Sam Clemens. By the time we had to leave to meet Parker's father and stepmother, the four of us were laughing and talking happily until I realized my unicorn charm and bracelet were missing. I burst into tears. Who knew where I had lost them? And I could never replace a bracelet. Mom was going to kill me. Plus, I only had $2.50 left. Not enough for a new charm. So the day was sort of ruined. But I did feel an awful lot better when, returning to the hotel later, Parker reached into his pocket and handed me something wrapped in tissue paper. I opened it. It was another unicorn. I was so pleased and so surprised that I started to cry again. Parker blushed, and then he kissed me on the cheek. Chapter 17, Mallory I don't know about this spying business. See, the frustrating thing is that sometimes you see or overhear things you don't understand, can't figure out, or never learn anything more about. For instance, what about that stowaway I saw the first day we were aboard the Ocean Princess? I spent the entire trip waiting for someone to discover him and arrest him. But nothing like that happened at all. The most exciting part of the trip was a storm we had one night. A big wave rocked the ship, and Vanessa's shoes flew through the air and hit Marianne on the head. What had happened to the pretty girl who looked like she might be from New York? I had never seen her again. I knew that her name was Alexandra Carmody and that she talked to Marianne a few times, that she said she was an orphan, an actress, a countess's niece or something, and that she was traveling alone, which was all pretty interesting, but I hadn't seen her. And where was Spider from the insects, for heaven's sake? You'd think I would have saw him again. I did know something more about the little boy in the wheelchair and the old man. The boy, Mark Kubaki, had become a friend of Stacy, Claire, and Margot, and the man, Mr. Staples, had become a friend of Christy Thomas. But I wanted to know about the others. I got my chance for more spying the very first day we went to the Magic Kingdom. After spending the morning together as one big group, Mom, Dad, all my brothers and sisters, me, Marianne, and Stacy, my parents said we could split up when lunch was over. I begged to be allowed to go off on my own again. Your own, Dad said, frowning. 
You really want to go on rides by yourself? Heck yeah! Especially if they got the single rider line. Like, I don't think Disney World has them, but Universal Studios does, and that's the bestest. We would go on groups and then be like, all right, everybody, we're going on the single ride line. If you get on the ride before we do, or you're getting in a car without us, just wait for us out front. It was great. Wouldn't you have more fun with some of your brothers and sisters? Or even your old dad? I grinned. Don't worry about me, old dad. I'll go on rides again with everyone tomorrow. This afternoon, I just want to look around. I might go shopping or to one of the shows. And the parade comes down Main Street in the afternoon. I don't want to miss that. A parade? exclaimed Claire. There's going to be a parade? Oh, please, 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 can we go? Sure, replied my mother. But you might like it better at night. They hold the parade at night, too. And later, fireworks go off. Fireworks? Like on the 4th of July? Oh, let's go at night. This time it was Margot who was so excited. Well, anyway, I interrupted. So it's alright if I spend the afternoon on my own? I'm kind of looking forward to it. My parents exchanged a glance. At last, Mom said, I think it's alright, but we're going to meet at 5 o'clock at Cinderella Castle. And if you're not there, I'm going to be very worried. I'll be there, I promised. Mom smiled. Let's figure out how the rest of us are going to split up, she said. And then she made the mistake that's always made at least once whenever us pikes are on vacation. She said, what does everyone want to do? Go on the Pirates of the Caribbean, said Byron. Go on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride again, said Margo. Go on Space Mountain again, says Jordan. Go on the Spinning Teacup, said Nikki. Go on It's a Small World, said Vanessa. Ride the Skyway, said Adam. Get an ice cream cone, said Claire, and a Mickey Mouse balloon. Mom looked at Dad. Ride the merry-go-round, he said, and everybody laughed. I left them behind, trying to sort out who was going to go with whom, taking into consideration things like Marianne refused to ride the Skyway because it was so high up, the spinning teacup ride would make Margot barf, etc. As soon as I was safely out of sight of my family, I sat down on the bench and pulled out my spying notebook. As far as I knew, no one had looked in on it or even found it. I uncapped a pen and started making some notes. Two old ladies walked by. They had blue hair. A family walks by with a kid in a stroller. The kid is crying. Another family goes by. The little girl drops her ice cream cone. Cries. A big group of people go by. They're wearing matching t-shirts. They're very loud. The people, not the shirts. Having fun. Lots of smiles. Also, it's important to have everybody wearing the same shirt at Disney World because you can get lost really easy. And at least this way you can describe them. They're wearing a shirt just like I was wearing. Because I don't remember what my kids wear on a day-to-day basis. Like, do they remember what I wear? No. A family goes by. Both kids crying. How come all the kids are crying? I check my watch. It is nap time. Two parents and a little girl come by. The girl's legs are in braces. She doesn't seem to care. She's saying, Snow White's Adventure is the funnest ride here. This is all very interesting, and it might help improve my writing skills and sharpen my powers of observation, but it wasn't true spying. At any rate, it wasn't the kind of spying Harriet would have done. Harriet would have dug up secrets. I was just watching crying children. I decided to find a better place to spy. Maybe I could sit down someplace in Fantasyland next to a ride. That way, I could overhear conversations. Now that would be interesting. I headed for Fantasyland. When I got there, I realized I had just one problem. There was no place to sit down that was near enough to a line that I could actually listen in on conversations. 
I sighed. Then, I kind of hung around lines for a while. I heard a kid tell a father he was tired of waiting. Big deal. I heard a little girl say she was starved and asked for ice cream. Is that the only thing children want to eat at Disney World? And I heard one old man tell an old woman that he had been through the Haunted Mansion six times. And then, I saw Alexandra Carmody, the beautiful girl from The Ocean Princess. She was just as beautiful as ever, with that long, wavy hair. And she seemed to have found some friends. A light-haired boy who looked a little younger than she, and an older couple. Maybe the boy's parents? Now I had something to find out about. They joined the end of the line for Peter Pan's flight. So I got in the line right behind them, even though I had just been on Peter Pan's flight that morning. I poised my pen and opened my ears. But for the longest time, none of them spoke. Maybe they were really, really tired. I capped my pen again. Spying could be a bore. Finally, the boy said, Hey, Mom, remember when you read Peter Pan to us? So the man and woman were the boy's parents. Or at least, the woman was his mother. I certainly do, the woman replied fondly. Captain Hook scared you two so much you had nightmares. Remember Alex? Alex? I didn't get it. The woman was talking like she was Alexandra's mother. But Alexandra wasn't supposed to have any parents. Oh, don't remind me, Mom, Alex cried. Hey, Daddy, she tugged at the sleeve of the man's shirt. I made you hide my alarm clock, remember? I said it scared me as much as it scared Captain Hook. Some big sister you were, the boy added, but you could tell he was kidding. You were more scared of everything than I was. Mom? Daddy? Big sister? Boy, what a liar Alexandra was. She had told Marianne she was an orphan, that her parents had been killed, and here she was with her parents and her brother. Just when I thought I had all the surprises I could handle, I'd noticed that a couple in front of Alexandra's parents, who were about the same age as the Carmody's, were whispering and nudging each other. Every so often, they turned around to look at Mr. and Mrs. Carmody. I couldn't tell whether the Carmody saw them or not, but they couldn't help but notice when the woman finally said, Excuse me, but are you Viv and Vernon Carmody? Now, why did those names sound familiar? The Carmody smiled graciously. Yes, we are, said Alex's father. Oh, I have to tell you, the woman exclaimed. My husband and I are your biggest fans. We have been for years. Are you performing here at Disney World? I listened and gawked and scribbled notes. I figured out who the Carmody's were. A man and wife singing team who are popular with people my parents' age and older. I knew I'd heard their names before. I think mom and dad even have one of their albums. But boy, was I left with a lot of questions. The biggest one was, why was Alexandra such a liar? I couldn't wait to find Marianne and tell her what I had learned. 916-633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook, leave a review on Spotify, leave a review on uh, Podchaser, copy and paste that in the Apple Podcasts, and copy and paste that in the Good Pods. You can also donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast, or at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast, or on the Good Pods app in the tip jar. Thank y'all so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace.
and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan, and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my name.